interviewed Tainui Stevens a fortnight ago here on the show about the history of Māori film. He paid tribute to Māori filmmakers that blazed a trail. He mentioned the work and legacy of the late Mirata Mita. For the past five days, Māori filmmakers, some of which were mentored and guided by Mirata, took part in the inaugural Māori Land Film Festival in Ōtaki. To wrap up this week's show, a couple of archive recordings feature the first from 1996, where Whenua program producer Libby Hakoraya interviewed Mirata Mita about the centenary celebrations of New Zealand film that year. I look at those 100 years. I look at how far Māori filmmakers have come and um, I'm not surprised that we're not that um, jubilant in the celebratory process. Mm. But you would say that possibly Māori in that hundred years have only really made three feature films. First of all, the three films that you say are the Māori feature films and then perhaps the reasons why they are, they are and others aren't. Well, um, there's um, Ngāti, which was the first one, and um, that was Barry Barclay's first feature. Barry, as you know, has made several um, very successful documentaries in collaboration with um, John O'Shea, and in the case of Tangata Whenua, also as part of the team, Michael King, the writer. And um, the... Um, Ngāti was his first feature, and it was very successful as a Māori um, feature. It had, you know, a lot more Māori crew than we're used to, and um, was much more Māori in its um, um, story, in its storytelling, than what we're used to. So, you know, it was a, a really excellent first Māori feature. And um, then he made Te Rua, which uh, didn't receive as much acclaim as Ngāti did. And, in fact, I've heard it um, horribly put down in, in some quarters in New Zealand. Mm. I haven't heard as much criticism about the film overseas. In fact, I've been to festivals in Hawaii and um, Arizona and New Mexico where the film is regarded as very important. It's regarded as a very important film because of the issues that it deals with. And that's about, you know, the reclaiming and restoring of taonga and image and identity. And um, those things are critical. You know, at the moment, in the indigenous world, the whole um, issue of intellectual property rights, who owns the image, all these questions are really important to us. They're much less important, you know, in the white world. So um, I gathered that... Um, it's uh, severely criticised. Um, I've heard it called incompetent, um, badly put together, all kinds of things like that. And uh, on the other hand, as I say overseas, I've heard it called wonderful, a very timely film, and uh, a film that is extremely useful to people who are trying to come to terms with how their tongue got in museums all over the world. and. Um, what it is they actually own, like trying to define ownership in terms of image and spiritual guardianship, all those matters that are raised. So while it got a poor rap here, 
I mean, I can assure you that um, in um, certain circles overseas, it's regarded as a very important film. But, you know, that's New Zealand. Mm. You get um, what they don't understand is uh, immediately put down. And then I made um, Modi in about 1988, I think, which was, you know, also for me, having made numerous documentaries, was a first feature film. And likewise, it got the same kind of battering as um, as Tirua did in, in some sections, and um, not so much in Māori circles, and certainly um, not so much overseas as well. So, you know, while the you know, people don't seem to understand here, people within the film industry here, don't seem to understand that film doesn't only work on a commercial entertainment level, mm. that they have deeper messages for people who've undergone colonial experience and that, you know, those films become very important to those people who've had that experience. And um, I suppose if you're coming at it from that supremacist, we own the industry point of view, kind of very monocultural, um, then you, you kind of... Um, you just don't share the same sorts of feelings about the film and toward the film. Now, you know, you could include, um, you know, say there were four Māori feature films and include uh, Once Were Warriors in that. Certainly it's based on a very successful, the most successful novel um, that New Zealand's ever produced, Once Were Warriors. And uh, it was directed by um, a Māori director. But... Um, there's aspects of the film that don't have it that readily classified as a Māori film, and and this and also here I don't mean you know within New Zealand people accept it as a Māori film, but that's not necessarily the case overseas, and it's it strikes me as being very odd that I hear um, Once Were Warriors being classified as a New Zealand film, mm. and I think that's what it is, and the reason that it has that classification you know, as a New Zealand film rather than hearing it being classified as a Māori film overseas is because there are not many indigenous people who feel that um, um, in the making of the film that it was made by, by someone or by people who understood and loved the culture. The general consensus in the places I've been in is that um, um, anyone who really loves the culture uh, couldn't have made the film the way that it's made, mm. you know, without the, the the deeper analysis as to what produces the condition mm. um, of those people who are in the film. Not to deny that the acting was wonderful and, uh, you know, that it was generally a, a very well-put-together production. But it's just, it's funny, you know, how you move around. And, um, I mean, I don't think of it as a Māori film. And, and then to hear other people saying, that New Zealand film whereas you hear Ngāti or Māori being quite um, distinctly described as being that Māori film from New Zealand. Mm. So it's a funny thing, and, I, and I've never been able to analyse fully, you know, what causes the differences in the way that films are. So it seems to me, Merita, that whilst the rest of the world is looking in and looking at our film industry, and particularly at our Māori film industry, uh, New Zealand... <laughs> the New Zealand film industry is looking out and in fact passing over many Māori producers or writers or people with ideas and, and perhaps the skills to pull it off. 
Well, it's extremely difficult to um, to go anywhere to train, you know, as a producer, let alone a director or, or even technicians to be able to work in film. And uh, I think one of the things that is not proactive is developing um, a pool of producers and directors that have the same kind of status as if they were white. That's the problem. And so consequently you get what's called a Māori drama series and you find that the Māori producer hires four Pākehā directors, all male. And uh, I came back from overseas and found that that had been the case and I asked myself that question. And I uh, came up with all kinds of answers. And it goes back again, you know, to that whole, that whole question of... Um, of uh, you know, what the kind of colonial legacy that is so strongly felt in broadcasting and in film and television, and that the infrastructure that exists there is, you know, precisely that. That's a very, very colonial system. It's outmoded. And, you know, you have to fight or struggle really hard against it. You don't feel it's a system that's working with you or for you. You definitely feel... Um, that you're up against something. You talk about going overseas, and you have have often in the past. And in your dealings with other Indigenous independent filmmakers, are their experiences <laughs> the same? Do you find a connection on that level that it is it isn't just a problem particular to to Maori of of this country? It's not a problem that's just particular to Aotearoa. It is a problem that is particular to any colony any country that's been colonised. But probably, um, you know, probably most worse off, the worst off, um, are the Native Americans in the United States. There's a huge black film industry that's grown with approval and with huge support. Um, you know, not as great a support, like, I'm talking about it in comparative terms. Mm. Like, they've got more support than Native Americans have. So what you have developing... Um, in the United States is a black film industry um, along with the white film industry and no indigenous presence in Hollywood to speak of no indigenous presence anywhere to speak of really mm. um, Native Americans uh, are extremely under-resourced underfunded and I, I haven't seen any encouragement anywhere you know, for any kind of um, Indian filmmaking. Um, there are a few do-good type liberal organisations that try to um, support an individual filmmaker or an individual video recorder, but, um, but not, you know, generally there's not encouragement to be involved in the industry at all. And it's ironic, you know, that um, there are Asian-American directors developing. And as I said, there's black American um, filmmakers developing, but not on the indigenous scene. So I try and spend a lot of time in that area and um, by example, um, by screenings and so on, uh, to try and um, give some kind of inspirational or uplifting guidance to show them that it can be done, that you actually can beat the odds. Do you find that you're pushed or pressured by Māori to tell the stories 
perhaps that are more hard and political and, and all the rest of it? Or is there a softness that you can touch without being criticised from your own? Um, no, I don't. Um, I like a hard edge because there's so many soft edges and there's so much compromise. And, uh, I mean, compromise is part of, um, of you know, being colonial. You have to compromise to survive in many ways. And we're, we're often too hard, you know, on our own people in saying so-and-so was a sellout and, and, and all that. Very hard on our own. And um, as far as possible, we try hard to maintain um, a level of integrity um, that is part of being Māori and telling Māori stories and trying to bring those to the screen. But, you know, somewhere on the, along the way, there isn't a filmmaker in Aotearoa who's Māori who hasn't had to compromise. You either have to have a Pākehā um, producer or, you know, some kind of uh, monitor in your filmmaking because that's the way the funding organisations generally behave, that um, someone has to be put there who's invariably white because they've had all the advantages and all the experience to become accredited producers. So, you know, somewhere along the line we have to um, um, take on, bo on board that person that makes us doesn't not feel very good about ourselves. It's a fact of life. And I think that as long as we work hard, you know, to maintain the integrity, to fight for the things that are important in a project is very important. I can let go of a lot of small things, but there are some things where I will draw the line. And um, if I see um, a project losing its integrity or Māori people um, being made to look bad or negative in some way, try very hard to um, to keep that to the forefront of any project I work on. But if I see those things um, um, being trampled over, I'm inclined not to finish the project. And that's hard and people say, oh, that's irresponsible because of the money and so on and people who invest in this and that. But I, I, I can't agree with that because there is so much, there have been so many projects that have been negative about Māori people and about the images on screen and it's one thing that I'm, you know, I'm determined not to give way to. An archive recording there with Whenua Programme Producer Libby Hakaraya with filmmaker the late Mirata Mita that was recorded in 1996. At the time of the interview, the centenary of film was celebrated. The event itself stemmed from 1896 when the first public screening of film occurred at Auckland's Opera House.